Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. One of the things that I think this pandemic has taught us is that we human beings need to be connected. Thankfully, we have technology available that allows us to be connected even though we're in isolation and quarantine. I would imagine nothing hurts more than being friendless. And nothing feels better than having a true friend. A first grader pulls her playmate aside and whispers a don't tell a soul a secret. They giggle, then holding hands they skip off to play. Friends. Two little pals snitch a needle from mom's pincushion and sneak off to their secret hideaway. The ritual begins. Each jabs his finger with the needle. A drop of blood dribbles from the fingertips. They press their fingers together and pledge... We are blood brothers for life. Friends. You never outgrow that need for intimate friendship. You no longer may whisper or giggle. You no longer may stab your finger with a needle. But you continue to crave that relationship with a special person. A trusted friend. Life's deepest happiness comes from shared moments. An unshared sunset loses some of its beauty. When you read a good book or taste a victory, you want to share it with another person, someone close, someone who cares. The word friend is used very loosely in our society. It is often used out of politeness in referring to an acquaintance or a common associate, or perhaps even someone we have known for a while. And in the 21st century, a new definition of friend came along with Facebook. Our expression of this word has become very common, yet it is a very uncommon thing in the truest sense. When you begin to talk about friendship in the true sense, most will be quick to say that it does not exist, and even if it does, it's very rare. In a way, I'd have to agree with them, but not totally. It is a sad affair for those who are cynical about true friendship because true friendship has every possibility of existing. As a matter of fact, friendship is God-given, and its potential cannot be exaggerated. But because we misuse the expression of friendship, it is necessary that we detangle it from its frivolous uses and affix it to a worthy place, for we need to comprehend the blessings of true friendship. Ordinary friendships are based on the existence of similarities. We are drawn to those who have common tastes or qualities. But we are also drawn to people who have qualities we want that are lacking in ourselves. We seek sometimes to supplement the deficiencies of our own life by taking into ourselves the excellent qualities of another. A friendship is the means or way by which we do this. I've heard it said friends are like vitamins. They supplement our daily minimum requirement. 
Thus, it's important that we find friends who have strong similarities, yet who can also strengthen our weaker qualities. This truism is brought forth by the proverb writer in Proverbs 27 and 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. This proverb informs us that the relations between man and man in friendship operate in the way of sharpening iron. Our actions operate in the way of sharpening the manner of forming habits and character. A friendship operates in a way to help one another culture and polish their character, to rub off the rough areas, to round the corners, as a man would that of iron when he seeks to make it sharp and bright. Is there an example of that type of friendship? This type of friendship may seem ideal, but it is the type of friendship that we should seek. We have such a friendship recorded in scriptures that reveal to us the ideal portrait of friendship and how it exists. It is the friendship between Jonathan, the son of Saul, and David, as recorded in 1 Samuel chapters 18-23. through 23. In these few chapters, we have one of the noblest stories of friendship ever told. In chapter 18 and 1, we see the admiration with which this friendship evolved. But as we mentioned earlier, friendships are based on similarities, those qualities and interests that are in common. So it is necessary to know the qualities of both Jonathan and David. In chapters 13 and 14, we see Jonathan was a man of iron. He was a warrior in his father Saul's army. He was successful because he had an iron faith in God. When going to fight the Philistines, he took only his arm bearer and said, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. 1 Samuel 18 and 6 He was successful and attributed his victory to God. In chapter 16 we find that God had chosen David to be anointed king of Israel. For it was David's heart that God saw that told of him being fit to be king. When David followed Saul to fight the Philistine champion, There Goliath challenged Israel. David went to meet this challenge. When Saul tried to talk him out of it, David replied, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. 1 Samuel 17 and 37 So we see that David had an iron faith in God as well. When David stood before Saul, we find the friendship established. And it came to pass, when he made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. 1 Samuel 18 and 1 Now this friendship withstood many tests and adversities. Even though Jonathan was the heir to the throne, He supported David's climb to the throne. When Saul first sought to have David killed, Jonathan intervened and brought the two to peace. When Saul sought to kill David himself, Jonathan made David aware of the plan and helped him escape. Their friendship began 
as any other would, with the ordinary elements of friendship, the similarities of both characters. For both of them were strong men of valor and strong men of faith in God. From this example we see, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. But this friendship was sustained by another attribute, that of love and trust. At the end of 1 Samuel 31, we come upon the final scene of Jonathan's life. He was killed by the Philistines. When David hears of Jonathan and Saul's death, we find his grief recorded in 2 Samuel 1, 17-27. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. 2 Samuel 1.26 Think about it. How could you have a true friendship without love and trust? I don't really believe you can. The meaning of true friendship is hard to put into words. It comes to life only in the form of a person, a relationship. My best friend on earth is the most accepting, compassionate person I've ever known. When I think of her, I feel warm and secure, because I know I can talk to her, anytime, and pour out my heart, the good, the bad, the ugly, my successes, my failures, my hopes, my fears, my weaknesses, my deepest feelings, anything. And I know she will respond with understanding and unconditional acceptance. She will challenge me, and she will urge me to grow, because she wants the best for me. But she will also accept me as I am. An old definition of friendship runs this way. A friend is one to whom we may pour out the contents of our heart, chaff and grain together, knowing that the gentlest of hands will sift it, keep what is worth keeping, and with a breath of kindness blow the rest away. It is unusual for people on different social, educational, or economic levels to become close friends. Presidents don't generally run with the commoners. Street people don't normally develop close relationships with university professors. Six-figure executives don't usually pal with peddlers. You tend to cultivate friendship with those who are like you. So you may find it hard to believe that God wants to be your friend. The president of a bank and the apprentice clerks seldom become close friends because of their differences. So it seems doubtful that the chief executive officer of the universe would hang out with a guy who can't fix a leaky faucet or a gal who can't balance her checkbook. If well-heeled residents of Beverly Hills shun tenants in Watts, it seems unlikely that God in heaven would want to mix with us earthlings. Nevertheless, God wants to be your friend. He knew it would be difficult for you to feel close to someone who seems so far away. He knew it would also be difficult for you and me to feel close for somebody so different from us. 
so he took an astonishing step to bridge the gap. He cast off his robes and renounced his throne. He moved into your neighborhood. He became like you, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Philippians 2 and 7. He went through everything you and I experience. Birth, infancy, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, just like you and me. He got hungry, thirsty, tired, and lonely, just like us. He walked in your shoes, went nose to nose with the same temptations you confront. For we have no and high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 People of every stripe found him open. Rich people, poor people, prostitutes, soldiers, widows, they felt the touch of his understanding, his compassion. He was even called a friend of sinners, Matthew 11 and 19. And he was just that. But he did more. He said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John fifteen thirteen. And then he did just that. Lay down his life for you, for me, his friends. His sandal prints trace from pitch black Gethsemane to blood red Golgotha. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2 8. His enemies thought they'd done a number on him, and it would seem so, but they were so wrong. It was his act, not theirs. He chose to live and die for his friends. Poor, rich, uneducated, educated, me and you. It was God's way of saying to you, let's be friends. Friendship isn't always easy. It can bring frustration, struggle, and pain. Do you view friendship with God that way? Are you afraid it will add weight to the load you are already carrying? You're fighting financial battles. You're fighting family obligations, time pressures, personal frustrations. You're ready for the bell to ring because you're against the ropes. You've been hit so many times, your eyes won't even focus. You're tired, gasping for breath. Adding religion, a cross, to the card doesn't even make sense. Or does it? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's often been said that you can tell a lot about a person by the friends he keeps. When the chips are down, folks have said that's when you can tell who your real friends are. People speak of fair-weather friends. Other times we hear people saying that they have friends in high places. Someone has written, A friend is one who knows all about you and loves you anyway. 
Someone else has defined a friend as a push when you're stopped, a guide when you're searching, a song when you're glad, a word when you're lonely, and a smile when you're sad. We remember in James 2.23 that Abraham was called the friend of God. Several times in the Old Testament this phrase is used. Abraham is the friend of God. Abraham believed in God. He was a man of faith. He was a man who did as God asked him, whether it was leaving Ur of the Chaldeans or offering up his son Isaac. Abraham had a closeness with God. He was the friend of God. There are times when some feel this is missing in their life. They simply do not feel close to God. They understand God as a power and a ruler and the absolute authority, but they do not have a sense of warmth and friendship in their relationship with God. As a result, worship tends to be cold. Prayers are empty and more of a ritual. Prayers seem to be shallow and meaningless. Doing what God says is more obligation and necessary to avoid hell than out of striving to please Him. It is hard to get excited about worship when such feelings are held. It is harder yet to talk to others about God when we don't feel that close ourselves. Sin or the guilt of our conscience may keep us from a closeness that we should have. Because we don't get our way or life is a struggle, we may think God is not our friend. What we need to see, what we need to understand, is the friendship of God. True friendship is a relationship born out of similarities and built on love and trust. Jesus has experienced this earthly life just as we do. He has demonstrated his love for us by paying the debt for our sins. He has proven that he is indeed trustworthy. He was trusted by God to carry out a mission in which he totally completed. Aren't we fortunate to have a friend like Jesus? And what is required of us to enter into this friendship with Jesus? You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. John fifteen, fourteen through 15 Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.